Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by OnX Hunt. I'm so happy to have you here for another episode. This week we're going to be talking to Ike Eastman, who you probably know from the very popular and longtime standing Eastman's Hunting Journals. Uh, They have all their different publications, their YouTube channel, their television show. They have been around for a long time. They continue to put out very good content. Um, This week, however, we're going to be talking to Ike about a project that they've been working on very recently. So recent, in fact, that it's not even completely out yet. They put out some things. I know they put out a uh, YouTube video that I watched that came out, I want to say, in the last month or two. Um, But it is a very engaging subject. It's a very thought-provoking subject. I'm being vague on purpose because I don't want to give any of it away. I'm going to leave that up to Ike to explain because he's way better at doing it than me. So um, we're going to get into that conversation. But first, let's talk a little bit about Onyx Hunt's Elite Membership. Now, most of you probably already know that Onyx Elite members get access to all the 50 states, all the hunt layers, everything that's awesome about the product. However, what you may not be aware of is all of the deals and services that Elite members get as well. You get deals from brands like Primo's, Bushnell Cell Cameras, Dakota Decoys, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, Rob Roberts Custom Gunworks, Made With Meat, Camp Chef. The list goes a lot longer than that. So if you're not an Onyx Hunt Elite member, check it out today. You won't regret it. If you are an Onyx Hunt Elite member, make sure you're taking advantage of all these awesome deals. Now, let's get to the show. Really good. It's uh, finally winter here and dealing with all that. We still have elk in the woods, still got tags out. In fact, I got a crew that got stranded last night. So right after this podcast, I got to go run up there and and, uh, see if I can get side by side out with the with a bunch of guys. So it should be interesting, but a day in the life, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, we can do this another time if you need to go yeah. take care of those guys. If it wasn't that, it'd be something else tomorrow. It's just, that's the world we live in. So yeah, yeah so they're not freezing to death. They got, they got, uh, they got the opportunity to have a fire. And, and, uh, so they just, they had a side by side blow two belts on them and, and, uh, they're about, Oh, 45 miles from the pickup. So it's all right. It's about two foot of snow. Yeah. Well, so the contrast where I'm in central Mississippi right now and, uh, I could wear, I'd be a little bit chilly, but I could wear a t-shirt outside if I wanted to. <laughs> um, and then we have like a huge, like rainstorm front that's supposed to come through later today. Like we're worried about wind and tornadoes we don't have to worry about two foot of snow <laughs> <laughs> is that the, that must have been the same storm that hit uh, houston yesterday yep 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 every Damn. now and then we i mean it happens baker's dozen times a year the weatherman will come on tell everyone batten down the hatches and buy your sandbags and board the windows it's supposed to be a bad one but i don't know we'll see <laughs> right. thanks for coming on man thanks for yeah no problem Thanks for having me. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'll bet we find something. Oh yeah, we can we can find. Well, in particularly, I mean, as the, I, I well, without just diving straight into it. So I saw the video that y'all recently released about the sage grouse, okay. and that that greatly intrigued me. Um, okay, because I guess, and we can go right into it if that's good with yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Why waste it, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, 
Um, you know, we, we were talking about, especially, you know, cause on X is part of this podcast now and, um, a big part of this podcast now. And, you know, right. talking to Zach and having you guys on, and I was thinking about, you know, topics I could discuss with y'all about. And then the Sage Grouse video comes out and it just right. really piqued my interest. One, cause I have an interest in upland birds, but two it was just watching the video that y'all put out, uh, the implications that it had just beyond that one bird, I found just wildly interesting. So if we could talk yeah. about that whole project that y'all been working on, which y'all have a, like a, even longer film due to come out correct yeah yeah so the film that you watched uh is what we're calling uh, a teaser film it, it started to be well i'll just start the whole project so i was yeah. invited by a nonprofit organization to go to washington dc in 2017 um and sit down with the western legislators the you know the wyoming uh, reps or rep and senators utah uh, montana colorado and the whole subject was, well, there's two, two primary subjects. Number one was wolves. And that was back when they had just taken, taken the wolves back off uh, the hunting list and put them back on the endangered species. So that was one of them. The other major one was, was sage grouse. And um, it, it, did, it doesn't occur to a lot of people what that species really means to uh, not just to the western landscape but to anybody that recreates on public land so what they did or what what's happening is back then there was a lull in the sage grouse numbers now what does that mean does it mean there's 40 sage grouse does that mean there's you know 400 million so they they estimate that the, the high was somewhere in the two million range now this is in current times this isn't you know when they when they bring the railroad across and they were eating uh, sage grouse feeding the crews that were putting the railroad in uh sage grouse every night but they're now in the 400,000 bird range and the the epicenter of the sage grouse habitat is wyoming which why i'm interested number one number two that's why we went and talked to the surrounding states of wyoming as well as uh you know the representatives as well as our state and local governments here's here's the here's why it's kind of a canary species if you will you know like they had the the canaries down in in the, the coal mines that would test if a canary died that means there was gases and everybody needed to get out right so right. the the sage grouse is kind of a canary species for the prairie and the reason is is because their habitat they're very susceptible to habitat changes which that same habitat is also very important to other wildlife like antelope and deer and actually elk and everything all the way down to toads and and prairie dogs and everything else so they're kind of a state their sage grass is a canary now what happened or what's happening is they couldn't figure out why the sage grouse were deteriorating in or you know the, the numbers were going away in areas that had improvements you know if it's uh, urban sprawl or if it's energy development or whatever as well as almost to the same number as in areas that had zero development had had almost nothing no impact for the last hundred years they couldn't figure out why they stand the hundred percent don't exactly know why yet hmm. now there's some theories out there so 
I was invited to go back there and, and, and discuss this with the legislators. As I came back, it occurred to me, actually it scared me is what happened, is they had put a bill in in Utah that because of the decrease, declining state grouse numbers, they were going to shut down, uh, it was like 3 million acres of public land in Utah. Shut it down. And when I say shut it down, I mean you can't go out there to camp, you can't go out to hunt, you can't go out to fish, you could do nothing. Now, in the bill, it was certain times of year, so it was during what they call lex. So when they, I don't know if you watched when they breed, but it's, yeah. it's a ritual. They call it a dance, and it's extremely cool. One of the neatest things probably out west. I mean, the elk, bu or elk bugling and the elk rut's pretty neat, but this thing is a whole nother level where they yeah. puff up and they make this really unique sound, and they do it for about a month uh, where the males, you know, dance, and, mm. and the females come in and the females are really hard to see, but the males are, you know, they, they are very, very pretty birds. Yeah. So they were going to shut this, this public land down during times, for instance, when they're on the lek, as well as when the, the, uh, before, up to a couple weeks after the eggs hatch. Well, if you span that, that's four to five months of the year that the public land is unaccessible. You can't use it. That's a problem for, for me as a public land hunter, as for me as a Wyoming resident, as for me as an American citizen, that's a problem. That's our land. I'm not saying the birds aren't important. They are, they're extremely important. I'm saying we've got to do something now to make sure that that doesn't happen, that those numbers don't get down below zero. So uh, I sat with my team. I said, what, what can we do as a media company? What can we do to help this problem? And we had, we had put together, uh, it, a year or two years prior to that, to this, uh, we put together a mule deer migration. Um, they'd collared some mule deer and they found out that these mule deer were migrating 300 miles. Mm -hmm. And so we put together a video um, on, with some historic footage that my family has, has taken back into the 60s of these deer migrating out to the winter range and then back into the high country. And we interviewed, you know, all the stakeholders, everything from the game of fish biologists to you know, um, the federal uh, Department of Interior, the guy that wrote the bill to give the money to put all these collars on. And so it got a lot of, it's gotten a ton of traffic, over a million views on YouTube. And it, it's given a lot of information to the public on what is really happening with the mule deer migration. So I said, let's do the same thing with sage grouse. Nobody understands, when you talk to, you know, Joe Finicnick Hunter, you say sage grouse, we got to be, you know, we really need to worry about these. He has no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, this is probably why you're going, okay, tell me about it. What, what does this really mean? Well, if you're locking up public land for five months of the year, that's a big problem for all of us. And so I said, we need to inform, number one, the consumers, the American citizens, that this is a problem, that this is on the table. It's not there yet, but it's on the table and they're talking about it. And all we need is you know, somebody that this is going to be their agenda put in the right place in the Department of Interior or the Fish and, Federal Fish and Wildlife or one of the cabinet seats, and this is going to happen. It's good. They are going to shut it down. So we started down this road and we started interviewing local people. We started interviewing, um, you know, department heads for this in the energy, energy in, industry and all of the things. 
And it kind of, as it, as we interviewed and they'd go, well, you need to talk to so-and-so, they, you know, they have a really interesting side note about this and you need to talk to this person and that person. It started to develop into a story that is a lot larger than just public land. And mm-hmm. it's a lot larger than just accessing public land. So one of the things that happens on this public land is, is there's a ton of energy development. Mm-hmm. We're all sitting right now, you know, on the uh, right off the, the tail end of $5 gas. And we know how that affects us every single day from driving to heating our house to food, uh, you know, everything, right? A lot of this public land has energy on it. And if you shut that down, it significantly affects that energy, significantly affects the, the price at the pump and then the trickle down effect of of food and you know heating your home to clothes to you name it right if you take that energy out it is significantly affects every american so that's one place the recreating is another place the uh, mitigation of it is another place so what there's a ranch in central wyoming it's a huge ranch owned by an energy company but what they do is they sell the mitigation credits from that ranch to other industries so that let's say uh let's say a, a chemical plant in chicago is is putting so much in the air x amount of some gas in the air they because the epa requires this they require them to buy credits and they're called energy or green credits there's a ton of names for them mm-hmm. so they go to this ranch and this ranch is 300,000 acres they don't do anything with it. They literally leave it there for these credits for themselves and to sell. And so they buy credits. What it does is it, it monetize, monetizes our EPA or monetizes the, I guess you'd say, uh, the environment. What yeah. they did is they put a number on, on pollution. They said pollution costs this amount of money. And in order for you to pollute, you have to go find that amount of money in non-polluted areas. And so they do this. They've done this for decades. They do it with coal. They do it with chemical. They do it with everything. Big industry does this all the time. So on this ranch, has one. it's the epicenter. It's the epicenter of epicenters, if you will. It is literally the center of the sage grouse mitigation Yeah, because of where it is. Now, our governor back then, um, Governor Mead, realized what was really going on. And so he put in play in our state a plan to increase, to increase and, and adjust the habitat for these birds. Because they, they, first thing, first thing most biologists do is they look, okay, what are the factors, right? Well, number one, is it habitat? Are we, are we, Ruining their habitat is something in nature doing something to their habitat, which is the natural order of things. What, what is actually going on? They found out one of the big things is fire suppression. And you're going to say, holy cow, we spend millions and millions of dollars every year suppressing fires on public land, right? We put them out constantly. Yeah. Yep. Well, by doing that, it is, it is not rejuvenated the prairie to yeah. the point where the habitat is getting wore out. It needs that clean slate to start over. Well, okay, that's a problem. How how we can't just go light a fire on the prairie. That's gonna you know that's gonna add a whole nother trickle down chain of events that we don't want to deal with. All right, so let's figure out how to fix the habitat without fire. 
not an easy thing. The government said, you know what? If you guys figure it out, we'll dump the money into it and do it. Okay. So now we have these places in Wyoming where they're testing habitat improvements. So, okay, let's go find the biologist that's doing that. So we sat down with him, really nice guy out of Casper, and they're working through that. Well, I sat down with, so we sat down with them. He said, you guys really need to talk to the industry, the energy industry, because the energy industry is, you know, their, their pocketbook is significantly affected by this on a daily basis. And so they're dumping money into figuring it out. So we sat down with an executive of, of, uh, uh, well, a huge oil company that is here, Energy. I should, it's just not all oil, it's gas and, and they have uh, raw earth minerals and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sat down with him and said, what's the deal? He said, listen, I'm on a, I'm on a committee that is the Sage Grouse Committee and we're working through some very interesting things. You should talk to Joe Sinekman. Okay, so we talked to industry in the, in the, in the the energy guy I said, what's, you know, what are you guys seeing? What's, what can be done, et cetera. He said, well, actually we're working on a plan to uh, hatch sage grouse in captivity and then release them, which has never been done successfully before. Sage grouse are a really unique species. They're like mule deer. They don't live in captivity very well. In fact, yeah. they'll just die for no reason. They have no idea why. Well, just so happens a guy here in Powell, Wyoming, is doing it successfully. Mm. Holy cow, you're kidding me. So we go to talk to him. But in the meantime, we're talking to biologists, and they say, yeah, we don't like that plan. Like, why would you not want, you know, this is like pheasants on steroids. Why would you not want that? Well, their concern is, which, hey, it is a concern. Their concern is you're monetizing wildlife. All of a sudden, that bird is worth not only is that bird worth X amount of dollars if you can get it to an adult stage in the prairie, but it's worth X amount of dollars every year because the energy industry can use those birds and mitigate their, their impact. Yeah, yeah to offset the others. Exactly. So yeah. they've monetized, they've done what, what we did with pollution. They've monetized birds. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now what? <clears throat> Pardon me. So they, so, you know, there's that part of the issue. And I, I'm not here to judge any of it. What we did is we just reported it. Here's the problem. Yeah. Here's how dynamic this is. And here's some of the things that they're dr- doing trying to figure it out. You know, here's the craziest one. So in talking with the guy that has the bird farm, farm he says, hey, you should go talk to uh, this guy here in Powell. And I'm, I'm not using names on purpose because... This sure. is a very hot topic in the world. Very sure. hot topic. Now, I use them in the film, but we're very careful on how we use them. Right. He said, you should go talk to this guy, Powell, who has, um, he, was in, he was tasked with counting the predators of these, you know, how many, what the predator effect is on these sage-grouse chicks from the lek all the way through when those chicks become old enough to get out of the nest and then they can kind of fend for themselves. Right. Which, once again, five-month period. So he spends uh, five months out on the prairie counting sage grouse, counting how many chicks they have, and counting how many uh, are getting killed by predators. I said, so, all right, so what's the number one predator? I was thinking raccoons or fox or coyote or whatever. He said, oh, no, the number one predator are ravens. I'm like, ravens? 
He said, yeah, the raven. He said, you ever been, you know, out in the prairie and there's just a raven sitting on a, on an anthill out in the flats and go, what is he doing out here? Well, the ravens have adapted and got really good at flying using the thermals, flying really low, finding a nest and eating all the eggs. Mm. I said, well, how many eggs can a raven eat? He said, I watched a raven eat 500 eggs in two days. Two days. Two days. The same raven. I said, how do you know it's the same raven? He goes, well, actually, I caught the raven and spray painted him orange. He said, so it's the same raven. Holy buckets. Now, you can affect it. You can change the habitat. You can hatch chicks. You can do everything. But if you got one raven, and I'm talking one raven eating 500 chicks, that's a major problem. That's huge. I said, what did you do with the information? He said, well... I reported it back to the Federal Fish and Wildlife, and they buried it because ravens are on the endangered species list. You're kidding. Nope. So there, you have one endangered species significantly affecting another endangered species, and it's, it's, the, it's the chicken or the egg. Which one do you fix? And, and can you fix them both? So... Federal Fish and Wildlife buried it, and they don't want to admit that that's that's the actual problem. So you have you essentially have one endangered species that's like almost pushing another one towards going on the endangered species list. Holy smokes! That story, <laughs> this story's got layers, man. <laughs> oh, it did. I thought I thought when we started this, it, this has been a two-year project. When we started this, I thought, oh, this will be you know we'll fix this and we'll build this in the summer. It'll be out in the fall when sage grouse, you know, people are hunting sage grouse and upland birds, you know, maybe do some stuff around the show season when, when people are thinking conservation. No, this has been a two-year project. And it, every time I interview somebody, there's two more people we need to interview. If, if, yeah. it's the, if it's the fish and wildlife bird biologist to whatever, it, it's very, very complex. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it affects every single person because of energy because of public land access, because of, of just being an American good conservationist, it's, it's a significant problem. And, and so the number one question I'd ask everybody is number one, what can people do? You know, what can Joe Paniknik sitting at home, listening to this podcast or whatever, what can we do? Number one, contact your, contact your, your uh, state representatives, state senators and say, listen, this bill's coming out this, this, to, to study or to, you know, to put these guys on endangered species. I don't want this, or I do want money allocated to this, whatever that is. Number two, get involved. One of the, one of the things that I didn't know until we started rolling through this, you go, well, there's not really a sage grouse, you know, it's not like the Mulder foundation or the pheasants forever or the Turkey foundation. There isn't one for sage grouse. There should be. Well, the reason is, is because these other organizations, Mulder foundation, and especially the Pheasant Forever Foundation has dumped tons of resources into sage grouse. Mm. So what can you do from home? Get involved in your local Pheasants Forever chapter, your local turkey chapter, your local mule deer chapter. Get involved and get that money back on the ground for habitat and for these studies. And, you, and if you get involved, they can use your vote to pressure some of this bureaucracy about burying some of these things like the endangered species affecting mm. another species. 
that's is very very important. So those are, that's one question asked. The other question is, where does where does the where do we go from here, and and and, and how long do we have? Is it? I mean, are they going to put these birds on the, on the endangered species list tomorrow? Yeah. And he said, no. There's actually layers. There's layers of this. If there, if audit, you know, lemons make lemonade. If COVID wouldn't have happened, they would have actually put a chunk of these birds on the endangered species list, and it would have it would have drastically affected public land. But because of COVID, they didn't have the manpower to do it, and then everything happened, and and obviously the administration changed, and you know they're focused on something completely different for now that type of stuff happened, but they're still there. And if, and if there wasn't a manpower thing, it would have happened. Yeah. That's a problem. The I other guess. question, what's the, what's, how close are we to, to every bird, all this, this public land being affected is now listen, there's still 400,000 of these birds. We're still able to hunt them in Wyoming. There is a two week season and we have a bag limit. My guys in this film actually went hunting. They took, they took a biologist, um, the head of the biology, uh, well, at the time he was with PRCP, but they took him and they went bird and they shot some, some, uh, some sage grouse. So it's, we can still do that. They're not there yet, but we can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And if we don't affect this and don't fix it, it's going to happen in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So what, like a couple takeaways when I watched that video is like, there was some, some certain things that was said that just stuck with me at one point they were interviewing. It might've been the guy that was with the TRCP. I can't remember, but he basically y'all asked him, y'all said, what's the worst case scenario. And the guy said, we've been in the worst case scenario for the past couple of years. Like he just, yeah. just talking about, cause that's where, where I was. And you kind of just explained it. It's like, so how close are we? And it's like, pretty dang close if we don't do something like if we don't intervene in some sort of way the the other big thing that that jumped out to me is um it was stated in that video that we're losing about 1.3 million acres of sage grouse habitat a year yeah and there's only 33 million so think through that there's only 33 million total acres of it and we've lost 1.3 a year I mean, we're down to, I think there's 14 or 15 million acres left. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, it's, there's so many things like, so this day and age, it's hard to, because of the the media that we see all the time, not just hunting media, but like general media, like it's hard to decipher what's really important and what's like, okay, this is kind of being, they're just they're, they're kind of gaslighting this a little bit. It's hard to decipher like what actually is something worth paying attention to because we have so much input, so many people right. blowing the whistle, crying wolf, so-and-so, where it's like you actually see something in front of you. You're like, how real is this? And then you see all the information and the level of detail, some of which I didn't even know about because you've discussed it more during this conversation, makes yeah. me eager to see that full-length video when it comes out. But it's like, this is not one of those things where you can just kind of push it off to the side. Like, this is actual, like, this is really, like, a real problem, like an, yeah. an unignorable problem. And it's not my agenda. You know, we were, we were very, very careful not to report our opinion and not to edit it that way. And, and, and it, it, is, it is their words, both sides, and, and this is more than both sides. The funny thing about this, there's about five sides to this. 
It's not forced age grouse against sage grouse. Everybody's for sage grouse. The question is, how do we get there? And there's five different opinions on how to do it. And more than likely, as with any good story, it, it's probably four out of those five, there's probably three of them that'll drastically affect it and will make a difference if it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what the, it was in the, the Pathfinder ranges that y'all talked about, the yep. offset disturbance strategies. I mean, there was a lot in there that's, thought provoking and then even more so going it's a, I, i've i've said i've made this example a lot of times on this podcast so folks have heard me say this a bunch but i remember it was like my first wildlife ecology class i took in college like one of the first things we learned is it is impossible to do just one thing like yeah. one thing affects this affects this and affects this and so i think y'all did an incredible job at going like someone that has never hunted upland birds in their life and doesn't care to hunt upland birds ever if you just went the sage grouse are in trouble they could go all right you know but it's it's realizing like how much how far that ripple goes and like how much that affects everything else yeah crazy you know we have a well i have a uh my right hand man is actually he's a school biologist and he was a a biologist for the uh for north dakota game and fish for a number of years and he says this all the time. He's a huge mule deer nut. Well, you met him, Brandon, Brandon Mason. Yeah. Yeah. He's a huge mule deer nut. And so he got, after he left there, he got involved in the mule deer foundation, worked for them for a number of years. And people used to ask him, you know, what's, if you could do one thing for mule deer and it would affect it, what would you do? And he said, there isn't one thing. He said, there's a, a, a numerous things and it all, and it, it, it depends on where you're talking. If it's North Dakota, that's three different things versus Wyoming versus Montana versus wherever. It's not one thing. If it was, we'd fix it and move on. There's not one thing. It's a, it is a ton of things. And like you said, it's a ripple effect across the board. Mm-hmm. Tell me this before I get sidetracked. So what do y'all have an ETA on when that full length film is going to come out? And I'm assuming they can watch that. We can watch that on your YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> because it, it took longer than I'd hoped, um, we got, we are now into another project that Onyx is involved in. Uh, TRCP and Onyx and us and, and Savage and, and some other people got together and um, with the public land access issue, uh, we're doing a full length film on easements. There's a, a for while, it, it just Wyoming, for example, there's 3.3 million acres of easement or access points that are done with easements that are just on paper that have never been recorded before. Mm-hmm. So you might pull up to a gate and it says, you know, no public or uh, no hunting, fishing, whatever. Well, can I access that through the road, get across this chunk of private land and then hunt the public on the other side. So we're, we got sidetracked in this other film because the sage grouse took so long. I'm hoping sage grouse is out this this winter. I'm, I'm honestly hoping that it comes out. Uh, there's a, in January, they have a conservation week and I'm hoping that we can launch that in the middle of January. It's over shot show actually. Gotcha. The sage grouse, the long form sage grouse. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm hoping this winter that it, that it is released, but the, but the short is on YouTube. The long will be on YouTube. I'm going to try and put the long version on the outdoor channel. Um, as well as uh, everywhere else I can put it because it just, it helps educate people. Right. I don't, I don't care about the views other than I want people to get educated. That's it. You know, it's the project has cost me what it's going to cost me. I got way more money into it than, 
then the sponsors paid me just because it was a it was a rabbit trail at a you know it was a definitely a spider web of of information but it's it's good information so right hope, long answer or short answer this winter i'm hoping yeah yeah well i'm i'm eager to see it and again i i'm thankful for your time i'm thankful for i'm thankful that for putting this out there because you are truly you are the first people i've heard talk about it and which is like i don't know if i've like I sat there and thought about that. I was like, should I be embarrassed that I'm just now hearing about this? Cause I'm like, these are things that interest me. Like I am interested in upland birds and all this stuff. Like, how am I just now hearing about this? But I think y'all did an outstanding job. And um, I really do look, I look forward to seeing the full film. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. It, I wouldn't consider yourself ignorant of the whole thing because I didn't know either. The only reason I got asked is because I have a little bit of influence in a small state. That's the epicenter. That's the, And I got educated on my way out there. So I'm just hoping to educate everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Well, man, um, I appreciate your time. I don't want to hold you any longer because I know you've got buddies on the mountain that need some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're stuck up there in a snowbank. They did. They inreached me this morning. They, they did survive the night, didn't get eaten by grizzly bear. They're not frozen icicles. They're, they're, they're alive and well. So I'll go get another side-by-side and go get them. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it as always, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Lake. Thank you. That's going to wrap us up for this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and found it as informing and thought-provoking as I did. I really think you should check out the video that the Eastmans have already put out on the sage grouse and all the implications that it has on everything else, public lands, recreating, energy, so on and so forth. Um, And keep an eye out for that full-length video that we're hoping is going to come out uh, this winter. So that's going to wrap us up. If you have any questions or topics, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can always email primoshuntingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's it. We'll see you all back here next week. As always, thank you so very much for listening to the Speak the Language podcast presented by Onyx Hunt.